Are you sick of this intro yet? Because I need you. <laughs> I can't. Uh, trust me, man, because I'm an office. <laughs> that one was fun today. Hello, everybody. What's up? Thank you for everybody tuning in today. Episode 8, we made it. Oh, God. We are at episode 8 of Trust Me, I'm a Novice. This is the podcast about connections. We are talking science, psychology, spirituality, and about ourselves. I am your host, Sammy St. Ledger. This is a podcast for lifelong learners and people that are seeking to become better versions of themselves. That is especially what we are touching on today. But before I get into that, what's going on with me? Eh, It's been explained to me by the two people that decided to have me as a child that we are moving and (laughs) now apparently we're officially moving i don't know i keep getting told things but i have been getting kicked out of my house less so if anyone was concerned we're we're doing pretty good i haven't gotten kicked out of my house in a couple weeks so in my opinion that's progress (laughs) but enough, enough about that i will get into that probably later in episodes or maybe i won't who knows that being said welcome to episode eight Let's see what's coming up on the show today. Coming up on the show today, we are back to our old format or our original format for today and I decided, while I hope you guys liked the past two interviews, I love talking to Maddie and Missy. It was so much fun to honestly have an open conversation. And I loved, loved, loved being able to sit down and have breakthroughs while talking. I find that, oh, it's one of the best things life has to offer, in my opinion. So I love those interviews. Thank you to you two for being on the show. I hope to have you back at some point. I'm sure I will bring on other future interviews, but today we are back to our original format of three different avenues, three different topics that we are driving down today. What are we talking about, you might ask? I decided that it was finally time to tell you guys, and gals, and friends. It was finally time to tell everyone the true story of how Trust Me, I'm a Novice came to be, and all of the lessons that accompanied that. So we are talking about everything I have learned since the first episode, which actually started all the way back in June, despite not being published until, was it September? I'm already losing track of days. I think it was October. Either either way, we are breaking down everything I have learned since then, which delves into having control over your own life, why you need to fight to be yourself, and everything I learned from simply going on a walk. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am Sammy St. Ledger. Trust me, trust yourself, and trust the process because we're getting things started. To kick things off, I feel if I am to tell you 
everything I've learned since episode one of Trust Me, I'm a Novice, I think we have to take it all the way back to the very beginning and how Trust Me, I'm a Novice came about. It was the end of my senior year at the University of Illinois, and I was doing the absolutely fun (laughs) process of applying to internships and jobs. What happens at the end of your senior year of school is, more or less, there are a lot of expectations that you come right out of school and get into the workforce. So, not only did I have pressure from my classes, and truly just a desire to enjoy my final months of college, but I was sitting with the pressure to apply to things. And as you sit with that pressure to apply to things, you start to think, oh my god, what do I want to do with my life? It's weird. It hits in odd little moments, and during this time, I began slowly thinking about the idea of what did I want to do? Who did I want to be? One day, I was sitting on my bed and scrolling through LinkedIn, and what popped up was an internship to host a podcast for a network. And as I saw that, obviously I am full of, I like to say random facts. (laughs) I used to always say I'm full of useless information, but now it's useful because, hey, you guys get to listen. But that being said, my friends had always entertained this idea of me hosting a podcast. I have one friend who always, anytime I would say anything he found interesting, he'd just be like, podcast, and just point at me. And when I saw this internship, I was like, yes, absolutely. I applied to it. And while I am out of town having a blast, I get an email at, I want to say 11 p.m. that basically said, hey, you got an interview. So I was super excited and trailing back to our previous conversations, how me and Maddie were laughing about, it seems whenever I have a ton of fun is when a lot of my goals seem to fall into place. So I thought it was funny the one day I'm out of town having a blast that this is when I get this interview. Possibly two weeks later, I sit down, have this interview, get this internship, and am super excited to get it off the ground. Long story short, I began producing podcasts constantly for a network. But things got odd. I would send emails to the network asking questions. I would get no response. And or the response wouldn't come for 10 days. Then I noticed my work was never being published. All at once, it hit me that All this work that I was putting in wasn't necessarily amounting to anything, and it wasn't being done under my name. So one day, I hit a point where I realized, I don't know what this is. I make a lot of jokes to my friends that (laughs) I always joke. I'm like, yeah, I think I was in a pyramid scheme, but (laughs) one I found on LinkedIn nonetheless. Just kidding. (laughs) But the thing is, to this day, I don't know. But I went in and decided I'm actually going to Instead, take all of my work and create my own podcast, not do it under a network name, not do it under anybody else. Thus began the slow thought process that went into creating Trust Me, I'm a Novice. The name I'd come up with while down at school back when we were theorizing about me having a podcast, actually my roommate at the time had said in response to something that I had said that was just one more fact about God knows what, and she looked at me, she's like, what's that word when you're not an expert? She's like, because you like know a little about a lot. And I was like, uh, you mean like a novice? She was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I, I kind of am. That day, I think 
while I was getting ready, I just the thought of that phrase that it's trust me, I'm an expert came into my head. And knowing that I wasn't an expert, but I, in a sense, wanted to become one over time, my little brain went, trust me, I'm a novice. And it popped up in my head. So I had had that name back in the day, pulled it back and slowly started to teach myself how to completely create and publish my own podcasts. However, during that time, the stress of knowing what I had planned for after college started to get in my head. Obviously, I wanted to do something myself. I was at a point that I'm going to self-publish, but getting there and working through a lot of self-doubt was a whole different type of story. One day, I was on a walk. I was a little freaked out. I was dealing with a lot of different things because upon graduating, there's pressure from a lot of different ends way past work. There's move out pressure. There's now my friends live everywhere else. Maybe you're back with your family. There's a lot of stuff going on. I feel like a lot of times going through transitions, like we've talked about a lot, you get at a lot of crossroads. I was at one of the several breakdowns as me and Maddie left about the other week where I was like, I I don't know what to do. I feel like I was so afraid of everything. I think sometimes when you're afraid, you get to the point of freezing and you just can't quite, I couldn't figure out how to work my way out of a situation and even just get in a mindset of empowerment. So I called one of my very close friends and to this day, shout out to her and just started talking and kind of saying everything that I was thinking and just that I was overthinking. It wasn't a long conversation in particular, but I was definitely very vocal about how I was afraid of so many things. And the funny part is, I remember thinking just several days before, gosh, it would be so nice during this time to have some form of mentor. Anybody that could help guide me on whatever path I want to be going down and to help me learn how to listen to what I'm meant to do and things like that. And as I'm on the phone with this friend, she was basically like, okay, Sammy, I have to go. I don't have a lot of time, but you should totally listen to Oprah Winfrey's podcast. In particular, listen to this episode called Possibility and Awe on Super Soul Sunday, which is the podcast that she releases weekly. So after I got off the phone with her, I put on this podcast and quite frankly, listening to it on my walk began what I would describe as a complete transformation of the way that I had been thinking about myself most of my life. A lot of those podcasts, and I highly, highly, highly recommend listening to them if you feel like you're stuck in a certain mindset. Oprah goes out of her way a lot, amongst the many other amazing things that she does, to empower people to recognize their full potential and to change, and to know, at least to acknowledge that they have the power to change. And listening to these podcasts, all different types, my brain finally kind of had this eye-opening realization that you have always been in control of your life. You have always been in control of your life. That phrase in itself and that concept, it's so funny because, again, it's something someone could say it to you, but if you don't believe it, I think there is knowing something and there is believing it. And I didn't understand the depth of what that meant. I think a lot of times what happens is 
we are constantly influenced from outside perspectives, whether it is with good intentions or not. And I think often it is. But we start to create this identity for ourselves that's built around what other people expect from us. And in line, I believe that we start to do things to keep meeting that expectation. So we also start to influence ourselves in a different way. I think sometimes you get to a point of starting to live a life that actually is inauthentic to who you are based on trying to meet expectations that you believe to be true. And that's when you're giving away your power because you don't realize that you have full control over what you decide to do with your life. Now, where exactly does this come from? This idea of expectations and socialization and all these different influences that move into our brains and make us think the way that we think. The way I see it, it starts very early on. I know we talked about in earlier episodes, this simple socialization of gender, for instance. My mom would always talk about, especially back in the day as opposed to now, but that when she was young, she barely thought about college and she barely thought about, not even barely thought about, just it never occurred to her that she could really go into quote unquote male professions at the time. She would tell me, yeah, generally, Sam, I just thought I was going to be a secretary or something along the lines of that. Ended up going into nursing, that being said, but a lot of times she thought of it having just a couple jobs of like what you could do. And I remember my female teachers actually telling me that growing up now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah, that they went into teaching because that was what girls did. And it was so matter of fact. So it starts with little things like that. And it goes the same for men on the reverse people that identify as male, moving into some creative fields. I think sometimes guys are, in a sense, constantly, constantly influenced to do something that brings them in a ton of money. That in itself sometimes is different because I've noticed guys that, I mean, you joke, there's jokes about what finance bros and all the guys in like finance and accounting. But I've heard a lot of stories of people that are in majors and then move into the workforce and they do it because they wanted to make money. And it seemed like, oh, they just had to get this good job because it was going to make them money. And that was what you did. That was your identity is connected to this making a lot of money. And that's what makes you a good person. When in reality, it's just an expectation that societally consistently would get influenced. That's just kind of an outside influence. That's what we're experiencing from our external environment but maybe it's not so close to home. But there's also a lot of influence from your family and your parents. I think a lot of times, most things are done, especially when parents take care of their children, they're done with good intentions. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that that's what that kid has to do. I always think about stories of people being expected to take over a family business, for instance, when they don't want to. and Parents that expect their kids to become doctors when they don't want to. I think sometimes when you're consistently told this is what you're going to do, you lose the idea that you have complete free will within your own life. And at that same time, I think the influence gets paired as people start to move into, per se, professions that make them unhappy. I don't, hate's a strong word, but the phrase, life is hard, or the phrase, this is, it's just what it is. It's met with things like that, like, oh, yeah, being young is just hard, where it's, I think sometimes when you are already in something that maybe you don't care for, and then you're just met with this explanation that, oh, it's just how it is, 
I think that keeps you in this, again, circle of thinking like, oh, this is just what I do. This is just my life. This is what it is. I don't know. I just, this is what I had to do. What was interesting for me as this thought process started to form within my brain while I went on these walks is that my parents were super supportive. I had, I mean, I still have fantastic parents. My mom was the first person to always say, do what you're passionate about. And obviously that's all a kid could ask for from their parents. But I went on these walks at the same time and then got to a point of, okay, well, I've always been supportive to do what I want. However, little parts of me started to think about hobbies I had or other things that I also really like to do. And I started to think thoughts like, why did I stop doing that? Why did I think I wasn't capable? What prevented me from thinking I could be great at that and work with it and use it to be successful in so many other areas? All those thoughts in mind, I implore you to start questioning and start digging at the roots of some of your thinking. Is there something in your life that you always like to do and then you stopped? And why? Is there something that you've always wanted, but then you told yourself you couldn't have it? Why? And I don't have all those answers yet, but that began a massive constant effort now for me to try to keep digging deep and looking at this idea of limiting beliefs upon myself. Why do I think for some reason I can't do this and this at the same time? Why do I think until I'm successful, I can't have X, Y, and Z? And along the lines of things like that, as we were saying, if somebody tells you no, or if you recognize that from a young age, people said, oh, well, you can't do that because of this. It's worth looking at two different aspects of it. One is that I have noticed a lot of people that are highly successful at some point in their lives, they were told no. While we're on the subject of talking about Oprah, because I was listening to her podcast, she clearly is one of the most, in my eyes, successful people to this day in the world. And way before she started her talk show in Chicago that ultimately made her become so well-known, she was reporting at the time and she was told by whoever was in charge of her, basically that you will fail in Chicago. There's no way you're going to do well. I am convinced sometimes that people are put in your life to tell you no as a test. People are put in your life to tell you no as a test. Because I think when you're told no, it puts you at a crossroads of, am I going to allow this to shape who I am? Or do I believe in myself so much so that only I need validation from myself to keep going? One of my friends has a very well-known aunt, and the aunt always talked about this idea that in her profession, she was basically told she liked to do a ton of different avenues within her profession, a lot of different jobs. And she was told by people, oh, you know what, though, you have to pick one. Like everyone always picks one thing and you go with that. And she <laughs> didn't take that advice. And now she's done a ton of different things over many years within that profession. So taking this all back a little bit, I want everybody listening to start questioning themselves a little bit more and Look at this idea of what are my limiting beliefs about myself and why? As well as asking yourself, what do I do in my daily life and why? And this is a massive, again, beginning of a lot of different stuff because it doesn't just mean your career, 
but it could be your hobbies, your relationships, your habits, disciplines, all those things. Why are you doing them? Is it because you want to? Or is it because you're trying to fit somebody else's expectation of who you are? Are you prioritizing somebody else's needs over your own? And while this conversation could easily spark a train of 180ing in a lot of areas of life, I think at the very least, it encourages you to become a lot more dynamic. Because again, with this idea that you sometimes start to live for other people's expectations and sometimes your own expectations of yourself. But I think sometimes that will lead people to over-identify with a career. And because of that, they won't put any effort into their hobbies, which in the grand scheme of things, some people's hobbies are the reason they're successful in life. Some people live out their lives benefiting and helping others through their own hobbies. One of my favorite examples when I think about somebody that's super dynamic and God love this man is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I love him. But (laughs) literally, when you think about The Rock, he was a professional wrestler. But before he had fame for that, he was a football player. And now we see he's a massive actor too. And he can sing. And you're looking at this combination of all these different avenues that exist within this one person that were able to exist solely based on the fact that he did what he wanted. A really cool thing that I learned the other day as I was watching one of those explain shows on Netflix, which basically just go into a topic and explain it way more in depth. They were talking about creativity. I watched the episode on creativity and they explained how most of the world's biggest geniuses, people that made the biggest breakthroughs, actually did a ton of creative work on the side. People like Einstein, for instance, a lot of people on that level, on the side, actually wrote music and did all these different creative things, were writers, wrote poetry. And I thought that was so cool because you think of someone in such a narrow thing of like, yeah, they're a scientist. But in reality, as a human being, you have so many other facets. And I think you contribute to really becoming who you are when you honor every side of yourself and what you really want to do with your life. And I think it's important to realize that you are the creator of your own path. And just because the path didn't exist before you began creating it doesn't mean that it can't. There's a reason people are trailblazers. I was watching an interview with the number one podcaster. I believe it's, I think it is the number one podcast in the US, which is Alex Cooper, who hosts Call Her Daddy. And she talked about during this interview, if you're ever in a position where you are creating something or doing something and you feel like you're doing it, but you have no idea what's going on, that's a good thing because that means you're probably breaking into something completely new that's never been experienced before. You're creating this whole new, in her case, it was a new medium, but a whole new avenue you're creating yourself. So just because it doesn't exist doesn't mean that it can't. Wrapping all of this up, I think it's just really worth realizing that whatever is happening right now within your world is coming from you, which can be scary to first admit that everything that's happening right now is within your control to, for the most part, obviously not every inch of your life is in your control, but a massive, massive amount of it is. And at the same time, I think that's highly empowering because it shows that you have the power to live authentically. And all of that power to live the fullest life that you want for yourself 
is in your hands. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are covering why you need to fight to be yourself. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am Sammy St. Ledger. We will be right back. with Missy Carroll and we discussed this idea of being yourself and the difficulty surrounding such a common concept that is constantly said to especially young children. While I was on these walks, so now each day I'm going out for these long walks and listening to a mix of stuff, a lot of clearly inspiring podcasts. Again, I love Oprah, but (laughs) as I was on these walks, I kept having these little breakthroughs. The end of my senior year of school was difficult, and I think the farther you are away from things that are challenging, the more and more clarity you get on them and why things happened the way that they did. And especially over time, I got progressively more honest with myself about what had happened. And all these little things that I had allowed to happen in the meantime. So this concept of fighting to be yourself moves in line with the same idea of first understanding that you have complete control over what's happening around you and who you are. And I think the two, the idea of having control over who you are, but also fighting each day to be yourself, I think they are pillars in reaching your full potential within life. So being yourself. (laughs) It's such a simple, simple statement. Be yourself. Yeah, of course. Yeah, just, no, just be, they'll like you. Just be yourself. Come on, just be yourself. (laughs) You hear it so much. But what does it mean? And why do we have to say it so much? Why are we not being ourselves? That's where I started to dig a little bit. So first off, I think when we're not being ourselves, it starts so subtly and it happens with an intention of fitting in. A lot of times we will conform to certain groups and it could be in any avenue of life. It could be friends, it could be coworkers, it could be family, relationships. But we will conform to groups to fit in and appear likable because often a lot of people that aren't self-empowered to the fullest extent, including me, at least for a very long time, will pull their self-worth from the validation of others. If people like me, that means I'm a good person and in turn, I am worthy of having a full existence or life that I deserve. And just like our conversation last week that me and Missy were talking about, social media does not help at all. Social media consistently will set standards for how you want to be perceived and what will make you likable. When you post a picture, for instance, and people like it, that's giving you all this validation of your self-worth. And again, say it's a certain outfit or say it's a certain place and it gets more likes. Somewhere in your brain, you're probably slowly processing, okay, if I act like this, 
people like me, which means I have self-worth. In a certain sense, I think one of the biggest quests, I guess we'll say, in life is to move from a place of not seeking external validation, that your entire self-worth can come from yourself. And it is a process. It's a massive process. It's something I work on constantly, whether I'm aware of it or not. (laughs) Either way, we start to conform to these groups. And as we do this, I think what will happen a lot of times, especially if they're a group that maybe isn't actually in line with our truest, most authentic expression of who we are, we tell ourselves little lies. And we talk about this a lot, starting to tell yourself these teeny, teeny, tiny lies. But a lot of what I'm saying today is inspired from listening to Oprah's podcast. So if you do feel inspired, I would check out, again, the Super Soul Sunday podcast. Back to this, because she also talks a lot about lying to yourself and little lies that you tell yourself and things of that nature. So that being said, I think we tell ourselves little lies and a lot of times they come through in our actions. For me, it could be something and I think it was something as simple as I love to sing and I love to dance. And yet if I'm out with people, sometimes it's like, oh, like I I don't want to do that. What if that's embarrassing? What if people think I look weird? All these little ways that I will lightly, lightly, lightly kind of turn down myself. Just almost like if I took a dial and was like turning down my personality just a little bit, just so it wouldn't bother other people, which is such a funny concept to me. But I would do it and something so subtle. And I think it could be as simple as I wanted to dance and I didn't dance because nobody else was dancing. But I think when you do that, it sets a foundation to keep doing it. And sometimes it starts to grow into something bigger. Because you're not consistently honoring who you are. And when I say it can grow into something bigger, I think about it like this. For instance, when you're in a friend group, if it's a friend group that gossips a lot about other people and you're constantly around that, well, somewhere in your brain, in order to fit in, you're going to start probably mirroring that behavior. And then you start gossiping. And it's something as simple as that, but you can genuinely, what seems like, build a negative trait if you are trying to fit in to a situation, especially one that you're not meant to be in in the first place. And I think it's important also to note that a lot of this comes from fear. A lot of our actions that don't line up with our authenticity stem from fear. I can't remember which podcast it was, but another podcast I had been listening to off of Super Soul Sunday was the idea that humans either move from a place of fear or from a place of love. And a lot of fears when we stop honoring ourselves and start acting a certain way so we fit in comes from a fear that you're not enough, that people won't like you. And if people don't like you, well, what what does that mean about me? But it's all about asking yourself when you are hit with these moments of fear and self-doubt and, oh, will I be embarrassed? Do you want to wake up one day and realize that you haven't been living to your true self? And that you are fully responsible for the reason you are not living a life that you wish in line with the character that you want to constantly express and emulate. The hardest thing to realize, because it comes with pressure to change, is that you are the only person that can remove any chains you have placed on yourself. I think it's almost fascinating that we as humans will actually almost keep ourselves, lock ourselves in a way of thinking and acting, and we'll do it all by ourselves. (laughs) 
We'll take outside influences, interpret them. And again, sometimes it's done for safety or protection. But at the same time, we do it and inadvertently we start locking ourselves up with all these chains of how we have to act, what we have to do, who we should be. But the upside of that is that if you're the only person that has placed these chains on yourself, you're also the person that can remove them. But this is hard. It's super hard. It's hard when you've lived a way of life for so long and you realize that I can actually, I can change. I can live more in line with who I am and what makes me happy and what makes me feel so free and joyful. It takes practice to be yourself. Like anything, it's a muscle. If I want to build up my biceps, I got to do push-ups. If I want to be more like myself, I have to constantly be making these choices on how to act and be in the smallest places within my life so I can consistently keep that level of authenticity when it comes to the bigger decisions. Another thing to keep in mind now, as I hope people are feeling somewhat inspired to do more and be more of who they want to be and who they really naturally deep down are, is that when you start to change and start to act more of who you really truly are, sometimes people will react. And what you can't allow is for that reaction to validate all of this fear you've had about not fitting in, not being worthy, not being accepted. I think of that similar to what I said earlier about people telling you no. I think of it as a test. Are you going to let how people view you dictate how you're going to be? Because ultimately, if you allow that, you're allowing people to often suppress levels of happiness and joy within you. But to keep in mind with that is that when people react negatively, especially to somebody being themselves, I almost want to say all the time, But unless, of course, yourself is like, you know, really mean, but I I don't think that's really the case. When someone is expressing themselves to the fullest ability and it is in line with something that is pure and good, if somebody reacts negatively to that, it's a projection. And by that, I mean that person is projecting a way they feel onto you, which means deep down, if they're upset and feel like they have to say anything about you being yourself, It's often because deep down, they struggle to express themselves in that way. Or they are somehow jealous because you're so freely expressing it, but they can't. And sometimes with projections like that, people aren't always aware that it's actually a reflection of themselves. So I think instead of getting embarrassed when it comes to people reacting negatively to you expressing yourself, I kind of, and I don't, I think maybe pity is a strong word, but I kind of feel bad for them. Like in a certain sense, I get... I try to look at it and try, mind you, because it doesn't mean these people, you're not immune to, you know, things hurting your feelings. But at the same time, I kind of feel bad for those people because I know deep down, somewhere in there, they're probably not happy with how life is. I feel like a lot of times I've watched people that, and mind you, I will say I see the best in people and I will see people for their potential over who they are, which, you know, (laughs) I run into some roadblocks. (laughs) with that one but that being said I feel like I have known people that I saw so much potential in them and I watched them consistently place these chains these blocks over themselves 
for reasons I might not have fully understood, but I would watch them live a way that was inauthentic to who they really wanted to be and what they wanted. I watched people be in groups of friends that I know are not in line with the best version of themselves. And it's, it's sad. But again, at the same time, you can't help people out of those situations. So I think the only way you can help people in those situations and the way you help everybody is to honestly just be yourself. Because the outcome of all of this, the outcome of fighting to be yourself, and I say fighting because it is a practice and it comes with roadblocks. Fighting to be yourself, multiple things are going to happen. The first thing, and this is something that I didn't expect until it actually hit, was pure relief. The minute I stopped trying to live in line with things that weren't authentic to me, whether it was fighting to be a part of groups that I didn't, I didn't even truly like being around, or adapting my behavior to try and be likable, not doing things that I just enjoyed because I simply thought I wasn't good enough or there was judgment. The minute I just let all of that go and started just moving in line with what felt natural, I felt incredible amounts of relief. And this relief, if it's coupled with people that you will then start to draw in, is met with even more relief. Because when you are your most pure form of yourself, you attract people that like you for who you are not how you can act. And people that like you for who you are will always be supportive of you, will always flow with you, and will always allow you to express yourself fully and in many ways reach higher levels of your potential. You don't have to act around them. Because that's the thing. Acting, it is so hard to live a lie. And it can be such a simple lie, but it'll softly weigh on you until it builds big enough to break, usually. At least in my experience. So when you are surrounded by these people and you are being yourself, the amount of relief and carefree energy that you will just start to emulate will be massive, and that energy will only attract better things for you. You will be attracting better friends. You will be attracting better relationships. You will be attracting better opportunities. Because things are in line with who you are, and who you are is supposed to match with other things. One thing I'll say is when it comes to being yourself and when it comes to being very authentic, is that the reverse of gaining people is you will lose people. But it's worth noting in a spirituality mindset, there's this talk of vibrations, that everything is on a vibrational energy. Some people talk about just changing vibrations. Some people talk about moving up vibrations. I like to think of it as moving up because in my eyes, you're becoming a better version of yourself. So to me, that is forward and upward motion. They say a lot of times a really clear example of the fact that you're changing a vibration that you're moving up is losing friends. They say it's very normal and it seems counterintuitive at first, but in reality, it's because those people can't stay on that level with you anymore. Like in, in a sense, like you can't match them anymore because you can't dip down to where you were in order to stay friends with them. I think there's a lot of comfort in that. It's just kind of par for the course, but it's only moving you up so you can take in even better people. And again, these people will bring you senses of relief that I could not have dreamed of. Another thing too, and I think perhaps the biggest thing, and maybe it's because I'm thinking from an altruistic perspective, but me and Missy talked about this last week. When you are yourself, you give other people permission to also be themselves. 
And I think that's huge. It helps. It doesn't hinder when you act in a way that is completely in line with being authentically you. And wrapping all of this together, I believe our true potential lies in our fullest expression of ourselves. I think it is imperative to be yourself in order to reach your highest level of who you're meant to be. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am Sammy St. Ledger. We will be right back to talk about why you should go on a walk. (laughs) Stay tuned. That song by Passion Pit, Take a Walk, is stuck in my head right now. I don't know if you know it, but if you do, shout out. (laughs) Because we are talking about... Go on a walk. Go. Get out the door with you. Come on. Go get your shoes. We are taking a walk. But actually, no. I I might take a walk after this. But we are talking about why you actually should take a walk. Because of everything that's come out of these walks that I went on every day. Almost every day. So this being said, again, back to the journey that I have been on since episode one, especially everything that came out of all of these long walks I was going on every single day. So I think it's very evident from the first two segments that we talked a lot about how while I was on these walks, listening to things that were very inspiring, that I was making a lot of breakthroughs. And a lot of these breakthroughs were very... that. At the time, they felt unique to myself, but now I see that they have a lot bigger societal implications. But there was a lot of very low-key little kind of sweet breakthroughs that I made on these walks. And it occurred to me how valuable this simple action of taking a walk is because of how much it can provide to you, your body, your mind, and your soul. Starting it off from a very simple exercise, science-based thought process is walking, fun fact, is the number one way to burn fat. It's actually ranked the highest. I want to say right under that is weightlifting. It's so simple and it's such an easy way to lose weight and take care of your body. It's one thing I also highly recommend to anybody out there that does want to maintain their physical health because it is so easy (laughs) and it is so, like we talked about with Change the other episode, so easy to just tell yourself to go on a walk as opposed to being like, let me go hit the gym, you know, a million times this week. (laughs) Past that, looking at it psychologically, walking is the only thing so far they have found that fights off cognitive decline. The New York Times released an article in March of 2021 by Gretchen Reynolds that reads, Brisk walking improves brain health and thinking in aging people with memory impairments, according to a new year-long study of mild cognitive impairment and exercise. In the study, middle-aged and older people with early signs of memory loss raised their cognitive scores after they started walking frequently. Mind you, I'm very obsessed is a strong word, but I'm very interested in simple things we can do that will prevent a lot of diseases and things of that nature down the line. But walking in itself is so beneficial to your brain. 
So I think it's worth even just simply doing that. And I love that there's a study that also backs it up. Now, moving past this, these two little fun facts that I like to share. What I actually learned while I was on these walks, these facts I'd actually learned in a nutrition class at U of I previously. I was one on walks before I started doing it so often. One thing that I learned for sure on these walks was we need to spend more time outside as a complete society. And I don't think, I'm sure somebody could find a reason to argue with me on that, but we absolutely need to spend more time outside in nature. Another cool thing I learned listening to Oprah's podcasts, I can't remember who she interviewed, but they talked about that in a lot of ancient languages, there actually isn't words to distinguish being inside and being outside because it was all one. They didn't live the way we did of being completely confined to the indoors or being outside. What I find fascinating about this is this connection between healing and being in nature and this connection between mental health and being in nature. A lot of people upon the winter months, we get this winter blues. I'm sure you guys are feeling it. I feel it some days, but I've noticed that I feel winter blues substantially more when I don't go outside. Very inoften am I inside for a full day, but when I am, and ironically, it's usually when I'm editing these podcasts, but at the same time, a lot of times it's when I haven't been outside. And to look at this from an interesting perspective, again, scientifically from a nutritional perspective, is that a lot of people that suffer from seasonal affect disorder, which is more or less seasonal depression, most people take a vitamin D because vitamin D is involved in mood stabilization and vitamin D comes from the sun. (laughs) So it's actually pretty fitting. And it's in some foods, certain milks have been fortified and you can take the vitamins, of course. One more side nutrition note, just because I got to throw it in there. If you take a vitamin D and so many people don't know this and it makes me so mad, (laughs) this is my pet peeve. When you take vitamin D, same thing as A, E, and K, those are fat-soluble vitamins. B and C are water-soluble. So when you take a vitamin D, your body cannot absorb the vitamin if you don't take it with a fat. That's why sometimes you'll see take with food, whether it's directions for vitamins or things like that, or sometimes medicines too. If you take a vitamin D with just water in the morning, your body's like, ha ha, and like throws it out, just throws it out of your body. So... <laughs> Every day I eat peanut butter and I take a vitamin D, but just make sure if you're going to be taking any of those vitamins that you take them with fats. That being said, if you take B and C, water, because they're water soluble. So that's just a fun nutrition thing to push on you this morning or this afternoon. I don't know when you're listening. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) ironically, while we're inside during the winter months, we start to feel sad because we're getting less sunlight that actually helps regulate our mood because we're spending less time in nature. So even though it's cold out, I think it's a good idea to bundle up and even just get outside for some fresh air every day. And what better way than going on a walk? It's funny too, because even just from a personal perspective, I crack up. My mom always says nature is healing. And I have noticed on days that I'm inside and I'm getting a little agitated, (laughs) I'm a little sad for whatever reason. I will step outside and be like, oh my gosh, wait a, wait a dang minute. Nope, okay, I was overreacting or whatever it is. And it was simply because I hadn't been outside that day. So I always thought that was funny. I'll be like, Samantha, just go outside. You'll feel better. And also looking at our engagement with nature from a mindful perspective, going on walks clears your head. 
I think it's so productive if you need to get answers to things or if you need to feel inspired or if you've been overthinking. Walking, in a sense, is a form of a meditation. I think, no, I basically think it is a form of meditation, but it's a movement meditation similar to yoga. So when you're going on these walks, they just clear your head. And I've often found that anything that I was stressed out about upon going on a walk, and whether I was on this walk, if I was calling my friend or if I was listening to a podcast or if I was just in pure silence, I have noticed that my head clears drastically. Past this idea of looking at, we need to spend more time in nature. Another thing I learned on a walk was kind of two-parted. As I was going on these walks and hearing these stories about living authentically and doing things that were in line with who you are, I started to do the simple action of saying hello to all of my neighbors to the absolute best of my ability. Every day I would be on a walk and obviously like if I could tell people were hiding from me, I wouldn't run up to them and be like, hello, but I would do my best and I still try my best to wave to people. I know a lot of times, sometimes when you see people out in your neighborhood, I think a lot of us now think no one wants to be bothered and maybe that's true, but honestly, nine times out of 10, when I say hi to people, they break into a smile and I realize that it's a kind of a cool concept again within whether it's emotional intelligence or spirituality. When I say hi to somebody, I create this happiness within them, but I actually had to create it from myself to have this transaction. I was experiencing this happy feeling at the same time as they were. And I realized when I'm saying hi, it's like this cool interaction of just a little moment of just happiness and a smile and a little bit of joy. And I also think about older populations and people that maybe don't get to see people all the time, that sometimes saying hi to people really does make their day and it seems so simple, but I think it's worth doing that. And like I said, it is a practice to be yourself. Sometimes I obviously get a little bit embarrassed. I question whether or not my neighbors are annoyed by me when I go on walks, but it definitely made a difference. And going off of this, saying hi to people on these walks taught me it's okay that I take up space. If you can relate to that, it's a weird place in your mind. And I definitely think, in my experience, I found that it feels more gender specific, but I, again, that's within my experience. But I always felt like being a girl, I was so consistently taught to be so small about everything, whether it was my opinions, my appearance, (laughs) what I did, my ambitions, Ah, the list goes on. But going on these walks started off with me always feeling, like I said, I'd be in the neighborhood and I'd, I liked it, but I also would feel a little awkward. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be out here annoying people or, and not much. Was that a little bit of social anxiety? Probably. But at the same time, being on these walks, I definitely felt this idea of, oh, am I, am I allowed to be here? Is it okay? And I hit this point of, Sammy, You deserve to take up as much space as you want. You can take up space in this neighborhood. You can go on these walks. You can do what you want. You're not affecting other people in the way that you think that you are. And if you are, that is their problem. It is not yours. It is your space as much as it is theirs when you're using public streets. So it was such a simple thing of going out, walking with my chest up, my shoulders back, saying hello to people and realizing I can take up space and it can be okay. And the final thing that I learned, and I think this is, I almost want to say the biggest thing, is that we, at least in the United States, at least from my experience, we are starved for a sense of community. And this breakthrough 
shook me in a different type of way because I didn't expect to have it. I was on a walk and I was halfway down my block and I saw one of my neighbors out and in front of her there was probably a two-year-old child crawling along the grass and I stopped because the little boy that was crawling had red hair and I'm a sucker for people with red hair so (laughs) I went up and asked like oh he's a redhead even though I clearly knew but it started the conversation and (laughs) we just started talking and something as simple as talking to a neighbor I barely talked to made me feel so good inside and I couldn't really explain why and it was funny because I continued on this walk and then while I'm wrapping around other areas on my block I ran into a neighbor I was friends with And just started talking to them and then continued on my walk. And those two simple interactions within my community made me feel so whole in such a way I hadn't anticipated. And it really did hit me that at least in some areas, we are so starved for a sense of community with the influx of technology. And this isn't me vilifying technology because I think it has so many benefits. But I will say something to be said for always being able to entertain yourself within your own home and always be able to text or call. I think when you have the ability to text or call, it almost becomes a cop out. If I want to talk to them, oh, I'll text them, I'll call them. Where I think back in the day growing up, if you wanted to do something when you were bored, you go out and hang out with your neighbors. I always love hearing the stories my mom tells me about growing up and In my experience, technology didn't really hit the way phones are now until I was in high school. I had the experience of being little and going out and playing with the neighbors constantly. And I still see that within our blocks. And I think little kids are more open and bigger about going out and having fun with other kids in the neighborhood. But I will say something to be said for those relationships within your community and how important it is to have relationships with your neighbors. It doesn't mean they have to be deep, but I think it's worth meeting people because when you feel surrounded by people in any capacity, I think it fights this epidemic of loneliness that a lot of people feel. There's something very comforting being surrounded by people that you know, even if you're not interacting constantly. I definitely think, and I hope this inspires you because it makes me want to go out and hang out with my neighbors this week, but definitely go out of your way to say hi to people and continue honestly partaking in things in your community because I really think long-term it is so beneficial to always have some form of community around you and people of all different ages you're interacting with. That wraps up this episode of Trust Me, I'm a Novice. That is more or less, but not actually everything that I've learned since episode one, but it is a massive amount of information that I'm really happy and feel So blessed sitting here and finally reminiscing. I feel like this is a journal and I'm talking to it, but it's a podcast. And being able to talk about and sit and think about how much of my life and how much of my mindset has changed in just a couple months. And it continues to change each day. We are ever-evolving human beings. But if you can pull anything from this, and I really hope at the end of the day, you just go out and take a walk. This is Trust Me, I'm a Novice. I am Sammy St. Ledger. Make sure to follow the podcast and make sure to follow me on Instagram at Trust Me, I'm a Novice. This show will be back next Tuesday. But in the meantime, I need you to trust me because I'm a novice.